if you've been hurt before, why continue on? And I think you do it because Jesus did. And I mean, Jesus was betrayed. Everybody left Jesus. And yet, despite all that, and during that time, he does the greatest thing for all of humanity. So you keep moving ahead. According to Pew Research, only 60% of Christians are involved in a community. Our culture of self-sufficiency, as well as people's poor past experiences, has badly impacted the church. Today, Rusty George, pastor of Real Life Church, joins Gary Wilkerson to discuss how people desperately need one another to have healthy lives and how we can overcome past pains and truly join into Christian community. Before we join them, though, we want you to have access to regular biblical encouragement. World Challenge offers weekly 86-seconds devotionals as a regular reminder of God's goodness. You can sign up at worldchallenge.org. We would not be able to create these resources without generous listeners like you. Please consider donating to power the mission and make World Challenge resources like this devotional and podcast possible. Now, here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Great to be here uh, on the podcast again. Uh, I'm here with a new friend, uh, Pastor Rusty George from Valencia, uh, California at uh, Real Life Church. So um, uh, th- thanks for joining us. It's an honor. We, Thank you. We met earlier today. So the first time and you spoke to our, uh, our leadership team here mm-hmm. at uh, World Challenge. Tell us the, the books you've written. Yeah, I, I started off writing when I was doing young adult ministry in um, Lexington, Kentucky, so I wrote a book called Herding Cats, which I think my mom read and maybe my <laughs> wife. And that's about it. Um, but it was uh, it, it kind of got me used to writing, and I really enjoyed okay. it. Then I wrote a book uh, called uh, When You, Then God, about the promises in the Bible, when we do X, God does Y. Hmm. And then I wrote Better Together, uh, which is a book you and I talked about today. Yeah, that's that's, that's brilliant. Uh, Better Together. I, uh, I read your book and I just uh, I fell in love with it. And, Thank you. and your, your your style of writing and your insight and the <clears throat> things God's given you. Um, I think it's an important issue. You mentioned in your book about uh, the first few chapters. You're talking about how you you you, you tend to. Um, uh, you know, like uh, kind of want to do things on your own and be the leader and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, uh, what what was happening in your life uh, that kind of began to cause you to transition and and see the need for uh, yeah. community and relationships more? Well, I think as a pastor, I learned this phrase years ago from another pastor. He said, "Be careful of the people that uh, um, that worship you because soon they'll demonize you mm-hmm. and they put you up on a pedestal and then they resent you for being there." <laughs> so what happens is, um, you know, when you go through a growth explosion at a church or you go through some successes in your organization, people look at you as, wow, you really got it together. And then they begin to, resent, begin, to begin to get resentful of that, and they, they start to throw rocks or they complain or they say, that, no, this isn't what I thought, and then they leave. And no one leaves quietly. They always leave justifying why they left. I, I think when I was going through that, I think we moved from a church um, that was able to meet a lot of needs one-on-one to a church that had to rely a lot more on volunteers because we, we grew so fast. Mm-hmm. And there were people that just thought, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting enough, they all went back to churches of the same size as that we were. Yeah. So I understand that. Um, but in my life, what that did was it made me question my leadership, mm-hmm. made me question my style, what God was doing in my life. Um, and so I thought the answer is just to fix me. 
went deep down inside. Deep down inside of me. I I referenced in the book that I started, you know, seeing all kinds of doctors and therapists and counselors. And I did every personality test that was out there and um, just on and on and on. And I just came to the, you know, the bottom of yourself and you're just left with nothing. (laughs) And and that's the problem with trying to perfect yourself. You just can't. As as a friend of mine says, if if self-help could help, then we wouldn't need it anymore. It would do it. And it can't. Um, so we need more. So what I began to discover was that the one thing I had not looked at was other people. And not to use them, but to lean into them, carry their load as well, share with them. And I, this came to mind, I was at a lunch with a guy, another pastor that's just a phenomenal guy, and he's older than me and lived longer and had just had a great amount of wisdom more than I did. And I'm kind of, un, you know... Uh, unpacking all this drama in my life and this hurt me and this hurt me and this hurt me mm-hmm. and i kind of expected him to look at me and go hey suck it up you know jesus went to a cross so <laughs> deal with it but instead he told me a story he told me a story of a family in their life that were the dearest of friends that turned on them mm-hmm. a guy was on the eldership and and she started using you know just their own life against them and they left the church and you know it was just so painful for him and he tells me that story and i said man what are you learning through that and he goes i don't know but if it encourages you, it was worth it. Yeah. And I thought, man, thought about you know, talk about yeah. taking one for the team, you know. <laughs> yeah. But oddly enough, it did encourage me, and it let me know I'm not alone, and let me know other people deal with this, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brought me out of that downward spiral into me, and made me think, man, there's other people out there going through stuff. Why don't we share this and do this together? Even though I'm an introvert, I can make room for three or four people and be real with them, and and we'll be better together. Mm. Oh, that's good. And so you were, you took a deep dive, a look in the in internal parts of your heart, and wondering what's wrong with you, and then you found out that just having two or three people around you, yeah, would, would, would be that. and, and yeah. that, that does that keep you from being, uh, as an introvert, you, we tend to get overly introspective. Does that kind of tend to draw you out of that a little bit? Or? Yeah, it does because, yeah. as an introvert, you want to be alone, which is alone <laughs> with your thoughts, <laughs> which is usually never very good, um, and. You either tend to turn everything to your benefit or you just turn on yourself. So it happened to be at a time when my wife invited a family over for dinner, and I thought, I don't want to associate with anybody right now. You know, I don't want to socialize. And she looked at me and she said, hey, if we're going to have friends, we got to make an effort. Mm -hmm. And so we invited this couple over, and then she invited them back the next week. And they had kids similar to our age of kids, and we just all hit it off. And and that, that began 10 years of life together where we do stuff almost every week. And it was exactly what I needed. And I think the tendency is if, if you're cause-oriented and you think i got to have communities, you jump into everything, especially if you're an extrovert. You don't need everything. You just need something. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't need everyone. You just need someone. So I, I just began to discover having a few people in my life that I could be real with uh, really began to help. Mm, I like that. I like that. The um – one of the things we said on this podcast before, uh, one of my closest friends <clears throat> was sharing at a conference, and he said, uh, "You hold up your hand like this," and there's a bunch of pastors and leaders, and we did that, and he said, uh, "List list five of the closest people in your life, your best friends," yeah. and I went like one, two, three. And it was easy. It was like, and he goes, "But it can't be your wife and kids." And I went, oh shoot, uh, <laughs> and then I was, and it went one and two was easy, but then three and four. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and I, I don't know if that's something that's pastors face more than most people because it is hard. Haven't you found that as a yeah. pastor, you're leading people. Right. Sometimes it's hard to actually 
be vulnerable and and open to them. So I think pastors can be more lonely mm-hmm. than than other people. And it took me a while, I, but I really had to, you know. And and, and your, I think your book is brilliant at this helping, whether you be a leader or a member uh, a Christian mm-hmm. is is helping us realize. You know, we do need. Uh, you don't have to have a hundred, but you know, I, I kind of like the idea of at least five people in your life. Yeah. Would you say, as a, I'm gonna get a little more personal here, as a pastor, would you say you have like five? Um, really close people. I've had to work at it. Okay. I've yeah. really had to work at it because you're right. Once I take away the family, um, it's slim pickings. Yeah. And I think this is true for everybody as we get older because mm-hmm. we have enough people betray us, hurt us, yeah. move away from us. We just yeah. think, well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. That's ridiculous, especially guys. Mm-hmm. Guys are really difficult finding friends because we tend to do friendship more side to side, driving in a car, fishing in a boat playing on a team, mm. not face-to-face. Mm. And like our that. wives always want us to, you know, get together with other guys and sit around and share. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> but if, you know, if we go out and play a game or, or whatever, or we sit and watch a game, that's side-to-side, side and a lot of good conversation happens that way. Just be comfortable with that. But you got to have somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to open up to somebody, and they, they need to know who you are. Because our secrets make us sick. Yeah. And if, if we're not able to share that with somebody, uh, then we got problems coming. Yeah, yeah. Just to, even out of the five, the, 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 and, I, and I've clearly identified, and I, I'm very intentional about having these five guys in my life. Um, <clears throat> out of those five, there's only one really that knows me. Right. Like, I mean, he knows. You know, if if if, uh, if I saw a billboard and it had a, a bikini, and I started getting lustful. Yep. My friend would know. You know, right. I would call him. Some, Man, I, I, right. I, I'm heading down a thought pattern. I don't want to go. Right. But I think it's really important to have. You know, not just just um, we're better together, as your book says, in community, but like at least have one or two people that that you. Yeah. And, and again, it's harder for pastors and and, and Christian leaders, I think, because mm-hmm. you're always afraid. Like, okay, if I if I do tell my friend I'm lusting, and then he turns on me, like a lot of other people have turned on me in the past. And he's going to know me, and he'll be able to tell everybody else. Oh yeah, you know, don't go to, don't go to pastor's church because he has a lust problem, you know, or right. he has an anger problem. He he confessed to me. He he gets angry at us. He yells at his staff sometimes, you know. And so, yeah. it's really hard. It's and and I'm sure it's not just for pastors. It's hard mm-hmm. just in human nature right. to be vulnerable to to you know and to be better together. As your your book title says, it's. It's not just that you're in a small group together because some of them can be very superficial. Yes. Uh, or that you have another couple you go to lunch with because uh, you, you you can just you know talk about LSU beating you know, Clemson you know, or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, and and so you know <clears throat> when you're talking about better together, you're not talking about superficial community here, are you? No, not at all. Because it's easy for those of us that like to check off boxes just to say, okay, uh, we went to small yeah. group, yeah. went to church. Um, but intentionally going three questions deep with people, you know, mm-hmm. and intentionally, you know, and it starts with not waiting for someone to be a friend to you. It starts with being a friend to them. Yeah. You know, you care about them. You pray for them. You follow up on that prayer request and how's it going? You text them on various times during the day. You know, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. Um, and I think you just begin to develop that and then they begin to trust you because we have to keep in mind, they're just as skeptical as we are. Yeah. You know, even extroverts, um, we assume that they're great with people. They are, but they keep it pretty surface level. So how to get beyond that, we're all scared of that. You know, Mm. we remind our greeting team, everybody who walks in is under-encouraged and has a a need for friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and they, everybody needs more. And the trick is our social media tells us we have hundreds and thousands of friends and followers, uh, but that's all very superficial. Exactly. Yeah. How do you, as a... 
a pastor in your church help people with, or, or what would you say to us? We're, um, we've been hurt a lot in relationships, and maybe even in the church. Yep. <clears throat> and then also now, now you're, I don't know if you did a sermon series on this at your church or yeah. not, but okay, now, you know, I don't trust people, I've been hurt, and now you're asking me to risk again. Yeah. Um, you talk. I think one of the, the answers in your book is the. Uh, you talk about a lot of the benefits mm-hmm. of being together, and um, I was kind of surprised to read about joy. Uh, yeah. You mind taking a minute to talk about? So I've been hurt before. Yeah. I don't really. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll listen to your sermon, and I'll, and, I'll, and if your music's good, I'll, I might sing along with you. Right. Uh, but but really connecting to the way you, you really think joy could be a part of my relationship with you or, or with somebody? Yeah, and if I could just go off on a soapbox here for just a second. Yeah. The, the phrase that we've we've heard so many times from people before is, I'm church shopping, mm-hmm. or I'm just not being fed, so I'm moving on, <laughs> right. um, as if that was the point. I think what happens is, is we spiritualize our our shallowness with people, by and we blame it on a connection with God. I need to connect with God more, so we're moving on. Um, God said the way we connect with him is through his people. And so I just challenge people, if you're in a church, which you should be, don't make it about you. You go there with the purpose of meeting the four or five people that sit around you every week, mm-hmm. <laughs> hearing their story, what's going on in their week, how can I pray for you, and bringing a friend with you, uh, bringing an unchurched pr- friend with you especially, then it becomes less about you. What happens is joy shows up uh, the more we get rid of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we're all looking for happiness, and we're all looking for comfort. Uh, those, are, those are emotional states that come and go. But joy is this constant, ongoing thing that can happen. I mean, Paul writes about joy from a prison cell. Yeah. Um, and he talks about how I, you know, it makes his joy complete when he hears that others are living in unity. So for us to connect with other people, that's really where church happens. Yeah. Um, as Andy Stanley says, we grow in rows, not in, in uh, or we grow in circles, not in rows. So, you know, being around other people, all of that, that's, that's really where the growth comes from. So I do believe that joy can come from that. And joy isn't always my happiness. Sometimes it's the joy of seeing somebody else's happiness as well. Mm-hmm. Good, good thoughts. And you also speak about intimacy. <clears throat> uh, you're advocating that uh, community can help me become more intimate with God, uh, mm-hmm. uh, knowledge of God more or as much as when I'm, you know, yeah. reading my Bible and have my devotions and reading my uh, theology books. Uh, right. Like, so, so you're advocating for community being invo- involved in my uh, spiritual vitality. Yeah, absolutely. I, my, my buddy Mike Bro tells a, uses an illustration of a golf club, and he says, you know, a golf club has a backswing and a follow-through. You have to have both. Otherwise, you're either going to have no power behind it or you'll never hit the ball. That's, that's me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he says, um, you know, that's love God, love people. And there are some people that all we do is love God. And we do that by just reading and reading and studying and podcasts and Bible study and all that kind of thing. But you've met these people. They're walking around with the club up in the air. They look like they're going <laughs> to hit you. you know? yeah. They're kind of angry about it. So then there's people that all they do is love people. And they're, they're, they get emotionally drained and they're exhausted. They get taken advantage of and, and, and they feel like um, you know, they're just spent. But it's a combination of the two. So when I say that you can develop intimacy with God by having friends with other, having friendships with other people, I base that off the Trinity. God himself is in a small group. Mm-hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And what's fascinating about all three of these persons of the, Holy Spirit, of the, of the Trinity is they're all self-deprecating to each other. The son's always talking about the Father or the Spirit. He even says, one is coming that's better than me. 
And the Spirit's always pointing to Jesus or towards the Father, and the Father to, this is my beloved Son, look at him, uh, or the Spirit. That kind of selfless thinking is modeled to us by our Creator. You can only be selfless when you're around other people. Uh, you can't do that alone. Mm-hmm. You can't do that with all your theology books and, right. then, and then getting on your social media platform and blowing everybody up yeah. with your thoughts. Uh, it comes with you know, selflessly serving other people in some kind of context of community. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speak about anxiety, that there's a, a correlation between uh, being in a community and uh, limiting the, the anxiety you might be living under. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think that – and I, this is what I was struggling with. I was so inward that my thoughts were getting the best of me. Yeah. We all have this little committee that sits in our mind that we think is the voice of God. Yeah. It's not right. because it's judgmental. It's, uh, it's a perfectionist. Um, it's the voice of somebody that said something to us years ago they've long forgot about and we'd never have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so different from the voice of Jesus who's always inviting us into things rather than condemning us for not doing things. So I think that when you get other people around you, you begin to hear the right message. And sometimes it's wrong, you know. And to answer one of your previous questions about if you've been hurt before, why continue on? And I think you do it because Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Jesus was betrayed. Everybody left Jesus. Mm-hmm. And yet, despite all that, and during that time, he does the greatest thing for all of humanity. So you keep moving ahead. And we disappoint our Heavenly Father daily, and yet he continues to stay with us. So, yes, we are going to get our hearts broken at times. Uh, but these cause us to have even closer moments of intimacy with the Father. The Trinity is a community, and God made us in His image, which means we were made to live in community. Many of us have been hurt, but we must follow Jesus' example, forgive, and move forward into new relationships. We will find unique blessings as we open ourselves up to others in Christ. Sound design for this episode was by Mike Hallsmith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington, with video production by Aaron Gale. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. We hope you join us next week on the Gary Wilkerson Podcast.